His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. El Shaddai, the die means to pour forth in abundance, blessings. And there was a tradition um, in, uh, in the writings of the, of the old-time scholars that when Aaron would do that or the high priest would do that and pronounce that blessing over him, that the Shekinah glory of God would literally shine through his fingers and touch all of the people. And Shekinah, that, that word Shekinah glory means the manifest presence of God's glory. It's, it's an amazing thing. So, so anyway, just keep that all in mind for what I'm getting ready to share you. But I'm going to read that to you again now, <clears throat> both in the English and then my translation, which is kind of like Warren's, but not as in-depth, okay? So Numbers 6, 24 through 26, the Lord bless you and keep you. Excuse me. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now, I'm going to read it in, in what, what the Hebrew really says, okay? And this, again, is my translation, okay? May the self-existing one kneel in front of you with outstretched arms to embrace you and place a horny, uh, horny sorry, place a thorny hedge around you. That, that thing's going around today, Ethan. <laughs> Let me start over. <laughs> Thank God he has a sense of humor, huh? Um, may the self-existing one kneel in front of you with outstretched arms to embrace you and place a thorny hedge around you that no enemy can penetrate. May the self-existing one illuminate your whole being with the weighty glory of his presence and pour his loving favor over your life. May the self-existing one lift up the full weighty glory of his presence upon you and give you supernatural peace, prosperity, health, happiness, and soundness of mind, both body and spirit. Now, doesn't that have a lot more power than the way it's written in English? Now, God commanded them to, um, to read this or to proclaim this, literally out loud, proclaim it over the children of Israel every day. But here's the key right here. Verse 27 says, um, So they shall put my name. This is God saying, Whenever the priest does this, that he or the, the priest will be put literally putting God's name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Now, the word name is, is called Shem, and it actually means honor, authority, and character. So, what God was saying here was when the priest gives this blessing over the people, that God literally is taking a portion of his Shekinah glory and placing it on them. That's why they had so much favor. That's why they still have so much favor in the earth today. They've won more Nobel Prizes than any race of people on the face of the earth. They've had more inventions. They've had more everything because God's favor, his character, who he is, the essence of who he is, literally rests upon them. Well, guess what? It rests upon us, too. Right now, it rests upon us because we're in the Lord, okay? We've been grafted in. Sorry. Okay, so <clears throat> so now let's get to um, the rest of the, the message, okay? Hallowed be your name. <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, 
I think it was about two weeks ago, we're, uh, Michael and Kim and I were, were riding to church. Michael was riding with us. And um, we were talking about something that I'd been experiencing a lot recently was whenever we would come, like the, the week might be dry or my, you know, I, my quiet times are never dry. Thank God. I, I just, have, he's just always blessed me in that. But, but the, you know, I'm not hearing much. My, my weeks are dry or whatever. And we come into Wednesday night or Sunday and we start worshiping and whoosh. And I mean, the, the spirit of uh, prophecy would just come. And I was telling them about that. And it was like popcorn. You know, you'd get in the presence of that. And, and it would be a, it'd be a kernel or two pop. And then all of a sudden, the whole bowl just goes, pow, 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 pow. And I mean, things are just flying. And, and uh, we started experiencing this in the school of ministry. And Teresa at times would say, close your eyes and tell me what you're seeing. And I mean, things are just exploding. It's like a, it's like a laser light show in front of my eyes. And, uh, and it was pretty amazing to me. But on, the, on our way to church, I told Kim and Michael, I said, because Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. Well, I, I wasn't quoting it exactly right, and I looked it up, but it said, the, that word says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So, so literally what he's saying is, when you testify of who God is, when you give him glory, when you, when you sing praises to his name, you literally begin to manifest part of the presence of God in your midst. It, it's, it's not because he blesses you with these things. It's because who he is. He literally is those things. Okay? So I don't want to get ahead of myself. But um, Friday night, when I, I remember I wasn't getting anything, but hallowed be your name. So I started praying. I'm like, okay, God, what happens when we hallow your name? Hallow means holy. Okay? It means that we, we regard him as holy. And, and so this is, this is what the Lord gave me. There is a realm of heavenly activity that we have barely uh, begun to touch, yet we are touching it through praise and proclamation. We have known very little about this realm experientially. Now, we have known about it, and we have tasted it, but nothing compared to what's coming. We are beginning to see a new level of accurate prophecy, knowledge, and wisdom flow abundantly in this realm, some by faith, some by almost audible words, and some by visions. What do I mean by faith? When I say some by faith, sometimes it's just a small impression, but you speak it out in faith, okay? Um, and, uh, and um, oh gosh, I can't remember the uh, prophetic guy's name. He, he passed away not too long ago, but uh, Paul, um, not Paul Keith Davis. What was it? No. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll think of it in a minute. But anyway, he... He uh, was very, very accurate. He was like a Bob Jones, very, very accurate. And, um, and he, uh, he said he was telling somebody, somebody asked him one time, and they said, how much of, uh, of the prophetic words that you give are things that you saw the whole thing of? And he said, a small portion. He said, a lot of them are by faith. In other words, I get an impression, a small impression, and I go with it by faith. And God honors it because it's the Lord giving him that impression, but it unfolds as he's giving um, Jackson, I think was his last name. What? John Paul Jackson. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, he's the one who, who had said that. And I thought that was pretty amazing. But that's the way this thing has been operating. Sometimes it's by an impression and you, you just speak that impression. And later somebody would tell me, that was right on. That was the Lord. Other times, it's almost audible. I've had several times in my life um, where 
I'm going to call it a, an angel, um, stands beside my bed, and it hadn't happened that much, but it's been you know a handful of times, stands beside my bed as I'm waking up in the morning. One time in particular, he said, call Teresa and tell Teresa thus and thus and thus. And I had no idea. I was traveling, actually. I was, I was um, doing insurance. I was in another state, I think Iowa. I called her, and I gave her that word, and it was exactly what they were dealing with. Um, so, so that's an audible um, a call. I, I can't say that, that I actually audibly heard the voice, but it was so strong that it was like somebody was standing there talking to me. And then other ones are visions. Um, and Leanne's here today. Is she here today? Okay. Um, cause I'm going to, I'm going to ask her if she could um, share that vision real quick if she can. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> I believe we have seen this in small measures that may have been that even looked big to us at times, but we are going to see much more in comparison. I believe we're going to see instant healings and other uh, miracles manifest with much more frequency as we learn to step more fully into this realm. And the key, of course, to all of this is to seek, the, um, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, this is interesting to me. <clears throat> well, let me say this part, but this part first. When we proclaim, hallowed be your name, we literally magnify the name of the Lord in worship and praying and singing in the spirit. We literally bring the atmosphere of the throne room of God down into our midst. Now, think about the four living creatures. You remember the four living creatures in uh, Revelation chapter 4? What do they do? 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they cry, holy, holy, holy. And it, it manifests things in heaven so strongly that the 24 elders fall on their face and cast their crowns before the throne, and they start prophesying, and they start declaring the goodness of God. In that throne room uh, scene, and the, and the Bible doesn't elaborate on this, but it talks about the lightnings going forth and the rainbows and the different things. I believe that activity increases immensely every time those four living creatures say, holy, holy, holy. They're acknowledging who God is. God literally, at those times that we do that in our worship, he literally manifests who he is on us. And, and it was cool. And so I'm, I'm thinking, okay, that, that sounds pretty fantastic, but I need some scriptures to go along with it. So yesterday when I was trying to put all this together, I started asking, you know, I, I, I took a nap. Kim and I, we got back from Bloomington. I was tired, took a little nap. And when I woke up, I thought, read portions of that book from Bill Johnson, Hosting His Presence. Um, and so I did. And Ethan had loaned me that book. And one of the stories he talks about in there is the story of Saul. Uh, King Saul, and he said, um, Saul, um, first Samuel told Saul, before he was even king, he said, I want you to go to a certain place, and when you do, there's going to be people there prophesying, and when, they, and when you get to that place, the Spirit of the Lord um, is going to come upon you, and you're going to begin to prophesy, and he did, and that's exactly what happened, so he laid on his face and prophesied. Well, later, after he uh, rebelled and he was stubborn and he he became uh, one of the most evil kings at that point in the history of Israel now he he was jealous of David because that same spirit of prophecy was on David and so remember in that passage uh, he sent messengers out to find David they basically they're going to bring him back so he could kill him and so they went to uh, Ramah where uh, Samuel was and 
when they got there, Samuel was there and he was prophesying, and all the prophets were prophesying. And so these servants, instead of capturing David, they began to prophesy, and they stayed there all day. And so Saul said, what happened to them? And so they said, when we got there, we just prophesied, so he sent more. He did it again, and guess what? They, as soon as they got in the midst, they began to prophesy, and they stayed there all day, and they didn't capture David. I think he did that four times. Finally, he himself went. And so, uh, and and because he was irritated with them. Well, guess what? When he got there, he began to prophesy. So much so that they said, so is is Samuel now one, I mean, is Saul now one of the prophets? He not only uh, began to prophesy, but he stripped his clothes off and laid naked all day long on the ground. You talk about vulnerability and helplessness. This is what happened. But God was showing me in that, that when you, when you begin to, um, when we begin to call upon his name in worship, when we begin to honor who he is, he, we literally begin to manifest his presence in our midst. And that even though Saul was sending these guys there to capture David, the presence of God was so strong because they were worshiping God and, the, and it manifested so strong that it overcame them, every one of them, and they fell on their face. And all they could do was just prophesy. Um, and that was not their intent, but that's all they could do. Um, and so a couple of weeks ago, on a Wednesday night, we were worshiping, and I said out loud, and I think only Kim could hear me, um, but I said out loud what I had been feeling for some time, that worship is warfare. And I did not say it loud enough for anyone but Kim to hear it, but God give, gave Leanne a vision that confirmed the word um, uh, about warrior angels being released. Do you want to share that real quick? Do you remember that? And I, I said, this is a confirmation of exactly uh, what I was saying. Um, I've actually had that vision three different times um, since then. But in the vision, there were angels that came. It was just like all of a sudden we were in the presence of angels. And they had surrounded us. They were huge. They were bright, like light flashes and they were they were worshiping but they were dancing it was the most beautiful graceful warrior dance i had ever seen and i was watching them and as i was watching them it was just these big i can't even describe it fully but these big huge white um beings moving and it was like their arms were moving and their legs were moving and everything and as i looked close you could see on it was I'm assuming like at the end of their arms, but it was just like these sickles that would be going too. And there was so much, um, it was just a, a warfare dance and it was gorgeous. And I was sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, I would not want to get too close to that. It was scary. And then I thought, oh my gosh, <laughs> Satan, the other side can't get too close to that either. And it was just this presence of these justice angels dancing and warring with us and around us and for us. That's awesome. Thank you, Leanne. Now, here's the key about that. We were not, we were not prophesying warfare things. We were not speaking you know, we were not rebuking the enemy. We were not doing any of that. We were only worshiping God. And as we worshiped him, his presence began to manifest in this place. And, and that's what I said out loud. Worship is warfare. When we worship, 
We don't even have to be focused on warfare. God dispatches angels just like around his throne when the lightnings begin to go, you know, boom, it's like the popcorn, boom, 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 boom. Things are just starting to happen because he cannot help but manifest who he is because it's God. It's who he is. It's his very nature. And when we, when we begin to worship like that, we literally invite his presence among us and he begins to manifest his presence. One of the other stories that Bill Johnson talks about was the one with Gideon. And, and the Hebrew in that word, it, it literally says that God put on Gideon like a glove. Okay, he literally put him on. Uh, now imagine that. This is what the Heavenly Father does uh, with us. When we begin to worship like that, he literally puts us on and we begin to manifest who he is in different places. And, and Gideon began to manifest and, and conquered the Midianites because God literally put him on. Okay, that's what God's been speaking, and that's why this activity increases so much. The other thing that really stood out to me was that I had nothing. I didn't have anything, and, and I loved what Marty shared this morning. God, if you don't go with us, we're not going, you know, because they knew. Moses had an understanding at this point that, that if God doesn't go, we've got nothing. We have no choice, I mean, no chance uh, of prevailing if he doesn't go with us. And, uh, and later it was revealed through David what worship was because the, um, and, and Bill Johnson talks about this, about um, how, we, how we stand on the knowledge that's already been released or the revelation that's already been released. It's a progressive thing um, over time. So, so David, um, God used David to birth um, the power of worship into the, into the earth, okay, and to bring the atmosphere, that's an atmosphere of God. So he said, the Spirit of the Lord was already on the prophets. He's talking about Saul at this time. When Saul came into their atmosphere, what was on them got on him. I wish so much that we would learn to recognize when the Spirit of God is actually moving on someone else. Perhaps with honor, we could learn how to avail ourselves of what he is doing in and through them so that we too would be impacted more intentionally by his presence. The Spirit of God upon a person creates a heavenly atmosphere here and now. And that's exactly what I was feeling. When we, when we get in his presence, it creates a, a whole new atmosphere and he begins to manifest in these ways. Now, why, why is that important? Well, it's important, obviously, for all the reasons I mentioned, but there's something else that's been going on. There's been, for most of us, probably, it's felt different. It's felt like we haven't had a lot. It's felt almost dry. It's, it's the, the, the battle or the struggle that I had to even have this word was indicative. It was a picture of, of what we've been going through. And, and it wasn't because I had some great knowledge or I could come up with something. It was simply, hallowed be your name. That was the key to the victory. Hallowed be your name. And, and it was the key to even having a, a message, but it's the key to where we're walking. I loved Ethan's uh, message about uh, being in prison. Um, Paul and Silas were worshiping in prison. They weren't commanding the jail doors to open. They weren't commanding the shackles to fall off. They were worshiping, and an earthquake hit, and all the jail doors flew open, and the shackles fell off. Why? Because what can hold God down? When you manifest the presence of God in your midst, you begin to uh, things begin to happen, activity begins to happen that you didn't even anticipate. 
that you weren't even crying out about because you're seeking first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. All the other things. God already knows what you need before you ever ask. Okay? So in that atmosphere of worship. So Kim and I were talking about it, and we were talking about, you know, kind of a weariness that's been on a lot of people. And there's been a thing, there's been a thing of, you know, yeah, but we've prayed that for 20 years. We've prayed that forever, and nothing's changed. Well, the truth is as much has changed, even if you can't see it. But the other truth is, is that, um, uh, just like Ethan said, pray again. Pray again. Peter said, I've fished all night long, and we've caught nothing. Yet at your word, Lord, we'll go out and do what you said. So they cast the net on the other side, and it was so full they couldn't even pull it in. They had, they had to call their, their uh, shipmates out, their fellow fishermen, to drag the net in. It was so full of fish. God's saying, pray again. Don't get weary. Don't let the weariness overcome you. Everybody deals with weariness. It's just part of life. Um, it, it's just part of life. I got two words because I got enough time that were on the Elijah list that I wanted to read to you. The first one says, uh, Father God says it's time for a prayer war. A pray, prayer war by Victoria Boyson. She said, the Lord wants to blow the doors off of what we think and we know about prayer. I recently heard a story of a Christian man who died, and as he ascended to heaven, he was surrounded by the violent propulsion of lights. He knew at once that these lights were the prayers of those on earth who had interceded. Their prayers were shot up to heaven in powerful anticipation of their importance to the Heavenly Father. It seemed to him that they were fireworks of war in these prayers of the saints. That is the power of our prayers. Our Father is constantly, even ardently, waiting to hear our prayers and react to our calls. Indeed, our simple requests are missiles in the war of the heavenlies. And I was thinking about that again, that, that passage where God says, He already knows your needs before you ask Him. Yet... We're commanded to ask him. Why? Because he's chosen for us to partner with him. He could have just done it, but he, had, he didn't choose it to be that way. He chose for us to worship him, to even when we feel desperate, to get in those places and worship him and make our requests known to him. And he's ready. It's like he can't hardly stand it. He's ready to pounce and to, to send the answers to those prayers. But he's chosen for us to partner with him. We're sending up petitions to our loving Father who anxiously waiting to hear our request as if hearing the counsel of the generals of war. Your prayer instantly activates movements and strategies in the heavenlies which directly affects the realm of earth. In our world, we fight under an, an oppressive cloud of unbelief. Even many Christians are cynical of miracles and hesitate to credit prayer for the answer. This is what the enemy wants. It is his primary weapon against the prayer of the saints. If you've experienced disappointment in prayer in the past, understand that it is also a part of the battle against intercession. We've entered a new season, the season of the cross. It's time to try again. And even when it looks impossible, believe God for the impossible to become possible. You hadn't read this, had you? This word, yeah. You, and then you heard what Ethan's message was. It's time to try again. Our prayer war cannot be for anything less than the awakening from the Lord that was promised, for the church to become the vessel of the Lord and carry mercy and love to the lost. Father God says your prayers are extremely powerful. You are the light of the world and my secret weapon. 
You can move mountains by warring in the heavenlies for the victory of angels as they fight for you. Recently, the Lord downloaded to me what he called three prayer wars that were examples of the wars we are, we are to be waging in the heavenlies to affect the world we live in. Prayer war in Acts. Acts 12 is an example of what the Father refers to as a prayer war. King Herod Agrippa captured and killed the Apostle James. It so pleased the Jews, he captured the Apostle Peter as well and held him in prison, locked in chains between two guards with soldiers stationed at the door. A band of Christians heard Peter was in prison and came together to pray in earnest for his deliverance. They knew what Herod had planned. As they prayed, the Lord released an angel into the prison cell to awaken the sleeping Peter, release him from his shackles, and lead him to freedom without the guards even realizing what transpired. He led him to the very home where the Lord's followers were in prayer on his behalf. Do you see the power of a small group of prayer warriors? They waged war and had tremendous victory. Seven days that changed the world. Prayers for World War II. In April of 1940, the Allied forces of France, Britain, and others were unprepared for the battles they fought in the beginning of the war and were outmaneuvered by the Axis powers. Forced to retreat, the uh, German army pushed these young boys back until their backs were against the English Channel, with no foreseeable place for them to go. Churchill prepared to announce that a third of the million soldiers had been captured by the German forces. On May 26th, England's King George VI called for the first day of national prayer, and Britain devoted itself to prayer in an unprecedented way. Photos show long lines waiting to get into packed houses of worship to pray all over the country. As a result, an urgent call went out for boats for all shapes and sizes to cross the English Channel to rescue the besieged army. Over 800 vessels were the answer to the call, and astonishingly, Hitler, for no conceivable reason, ordered the German army to halt for three days. The Germans stood idle. Had they continued their pursuit amongst, against the Allies, it would have most assuredly been a tremendous victory for them. Furthermore, a violent storm rose over the region, grounding the German fighter planes that had been killing thousands on the beaches. And just like that, a great calm descended on the channel, the like of which hadn't been seen for a generation, allowing the famous miracle evacuation to take place. It's what we know as Dunkirk. Okay? The Allies thought that they would be fortunate to rescue 25,000 British soldiers, but the time the Nazis were ordered to renew their attack, 338,000 soldiers were rescued off the beaches of Dunkirk. Churchill called it a miracle, and truly it was. But we also know it was a victorious result of a war in the heavenlies, fought by the saints on their knees, calling out to the Heavenly Father. And there's more, and I'm not going to read it because I know it's hard to follow when somebody's reading something. But <clears throat> there's several different avenues in there that, that were answers to prayer. And so the, the, the whole point is, the whole gist is that um, literally when we begin to worship and we begin to call on the name of the Lord, he literally puts his name upon us. He literally puts his, the essence of who he is upon us. And the manifestations of his presence, of who he is, begin to happen. And even as that happens, um, we can go to him and we can say, God, I, I've been weary in this, um, in this area of my life. I've felt down in it. I've felt lost. I've felt like I don't know what my identity is in you. I don't, I don't know my purpose right now. We can go to the, him with that again, and he, and he will begin to lift that thing. And, um, you know, the words are kind of escaping me, but the point is, is that it's time to try again. It's time to refocus on the Lord. Get the clutter out of your lives and refocus on him. Because 
Every one of us have clutter. We just do. Every one of us get distracted by things. Every one of us get down. Every one of us have things that bother us and, and pull us down. It's time to get rid of those things. Refocus on the Lord. Even if the only prayer you have is, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, when I, and I shared this before when I was doing some a couple long fast a couple summers ago, um, I had that that prayer, and that was the only thing I'd pray. And sometimes I'd pray it for 30 minutes, sometimes for an hour, over and over and over. That's the only thing I'd say. And and that indicates our Father, that's an intimacy, but who art in heaven is also a vastness, the bigness of God. He's literally over all of creation, and yet he's chosen to be intimate as our Father. So I don't know if that speaks to anybody. Um, I want it to be an encouragement to you. Um, push in again. It's time. God has not forgotten you. There's another word, and I, I don't have time to read it, but I encourage you to read it. It's by Anita Alexander, and it's about why we need to decrease so that God can increase because in, in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. So you may have felt like you've been in that place not knowing, God, I feel, I feel aimless. I feel um, it's at times felt hopeless. We're never hopeless in the Lord, but at times it feels that way. And it's time to say, you know what, I'm shaking that off, God. I know that you know my heart. I know that you know, and you have not forgotten who I am, and you have not forgotten the path that you have for me. You have a purpose and a plan for me, to, a purpose to, and a plan to give me hope. And you have, you have a plan for me to function as a, a member, a working member of the body of Christ in all that you have and all that you want to accomplish. So I don't know if that means anything, but if everybody would just stand, I'm going to pray. Father, we just thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, that you have chosen to partner with us. Lord, we thank you that you have chosen to literally manifest your presence among us. Lord, that, that we could operate, that you've literally chosen to put us on like a glove so that we could operate and fulfill your calling without striving. It's not, it's not just like Marty said in worship. It's not our striving. It's not things that, that we have the ability to do. We just need to invite your presence, and you do the works. And God, even Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father do. That's the only thing I'm doing. So, Lord, I'm asking that for all of us today. I'm asking you, God, to, to place that on. Lord, remove discouragement today. Remove heaviness. Remove weariness. Remove that sense, Lord, that the, that of aimlessness. And I, I just can't feel anything, or I don't know where I'm supposed to be or where I'm supposed to go or what I'm supposed to do. Lord, just break it off today. And I'm asking for a refreshing of your spirit, God, to rest on this people. You're so good to us, God. We ask for your grace to go with us today, God. Go with us in every area. Lord, that, that no matter whether we're in prison or whether we're at work, whether we're just walking through the store, Lord, that your presence would be so manifest in us. Lord, that we can, uh, that we can literally feel opportunities um, to, to witness to somebody, to share the love of God with them, to pray for their healing. Because, Lord, I believe you're manifesting it. You have been already, but we're going to see far more than we have up to this point. And we give you the glory for it, God. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to this message. Yeah.